This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 272 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Benefab Products, Total Saddle Fit, and Easy Signs Online. This is Reese Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Fergus, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hi, Philip. Hello, Reese. How are you? I am excellent. How are you tonight? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. We had a little <laughs> technical problem with, you know, the storms that we've been having lately and the weather and all that, but uh, I think I think we're going to be okay. I know. I think we finally made it. And of course, Glenn is never on when we have any kind yeah, of Yeah, when we have problems, problems, he's not around. Never around. Yeah, <laughs> but you geez. were very good. Of course, I am zero help in any technical aspect. <laughs> So well, you've done an excellent not working, job. The internet's not working, you know? Yeah, exactly. But uh, I, I think we've all had terrible rain, and, and you're getting it right now. We yeah, had it over the weekend, and you you have it now. So <laughs> I hope everyone can... It. We just want yeah. to get over it and carry on, and, and we're going to be fine. Well, I don't know about anybody else, but we have been mowing grass, and as soon as we finish mowing grass, we ha- it's it like started, 10 feet tall again. again huh? It's crazy. It's I mean, I'm, I'm thrilled... Like- yeah, I'm thrilled to have that much grass, uh, which is great. And the horses, the horses all are looking awesome. But oh my goodness, I mean, we are constantly mowing around here. It's nuts. So yeah. So, well, well, tell us what's what's been going on with you this week. Oh goodness! Well, we have a horse show this weekend, okay. so we've been getting ready for that, uh, which is always fun. And and I have some students doing some new levels, um, you know, finishing some students finishing some regional scores. So it should be really fun. It's at our kind of local uh, facility. It's about an hour from my house. So uh, that's what we've been sort of busy working toward this week. And uh, so that's a lot of fun. Good. How about you? Good. Uh, same thing. We're getting ready for a horse show and. Uh we're gonna, we're gonna, everyone's gonna do a great job, and we're gonna have exactly. fun, and <laughs> and we're just kind of feeling like it's finishing summer, which is awful. But I guess I know, I know, it came somebody, so somebody fast. Say the kids go back to school in two weeks or something. Oh, our kids started. I'm sure a lot of our listeners, are, the school started in the states or at least in Kentucky this week. Holy so God. they're already, I know, they've Holy already been God. pictures on Facebook of kids going back to school. Oh, so poor little kiddies. <laughs> I, I, I used to, we used to start after Labor Day, so I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's when we started, Labor yeah, Day. Yeah, we don't do that anymore in the U.S., so it's really sad. Everyone's going back to school. The school buses are running, so I'm sure everyone's getting back in their school schedule. So um, <laughs> I hope that's going well. It's, it's always a change from summer to, yeah. to back to school and riding and all that good stuff. So I hope everyone's doing well with that change, at least in the States. So <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, what's, what's going on the show this week? Well, we have an awesome show. Yeah. So we actually have Linda Pirelli on, and she's been on the show before, and she is one of our favorites. And she's actually going to talk about their new DVD, uh, The Scale of Training and Action. And it's yeah. with herself, Linda Pirelli, and with Christoph Hess. And uh, I think you'll really enjoy her discussion. She's just a really neat lady, and, and you can hear her passion uh, not only for the horses, but also the sport of dressage and, and training uh, people. So uh, I think you're really going to enjoy the interview. Yeah. We, awesome we certainly interview. enjoyed awesome doing interviews. it. Yeah. yeah, she tells us a little bit about you know, her own personal story, and she brings that to, uh, to our discussion today and about this new DVD thing. and. And uh, and a little talk about Christoph Hess, who is awesome. So uh, so I'm looking forward to it. Me too. Me too. I think everyone will really enjoy it. So well, um, before we get to that, we have to talk about some U- U.S. news. Yay, U.S. news! So. <laughs> The, our U.S. World Equestrian Games team was announced today. Stefan Peters on Legless, Laura Graves on Verdas, Tina Cognat on Collecto V, and Adrian Lyle on Wizard. That's, so That's a pretty good yeah. team. It's a pretty good team. We're really excited. We The only person we've not had on the show is Laura Graves, so we're going to have to work on that and get her on the show. Um, but really excited for that whole team. Uh, we were talking about before we went on air, uh, both Tina and Stefan uh, are veterans. And, and Adrian uh, rode in the Olympics, so she also can be put in the veteran category. So uh, that's it's going to be a really experienced and good team. And Laura has brought really a breath, breath of fresh air, at least from everything yeah, we're we coming to the team. But, mm-hmm. but uh, some wonderful scores. She's been really doing well. And yep. and, uh, and that's exciting for you guys. And, and, and Yeah. Awesome, huh? 
I know. I know. So it'll be really good. So also well, the yeah, the Danish team was announced, yeah. right? Yeah, the Danish team: uh, Lars Peterson, Michaela Gunderson, Anna Kasperzak, and Natalie Suzanne Wittgenstein. Sorry, with those European names, it's always you know high <laughs> right. names. I know. I hope everyone I get them notices. always wrong. I always and I apologize. Yeah, but, uh, I give it to you know that, uh, Lars Peterson, kind of a an American Danish yes. now, you know. Yeah, and um, same with Mikola. They both yeah. we see them a lot in Florida and uh, in around the U.S. And they were both wonderful riders and people. They're both great people, and and I wish them well too. They're they're really fun to watch and and ride with, and and that'll be really cool. So that that will be also a good team. So another another team to watch. I don't know um, the other two, Anna and Nat- Nat- Natalie, but um, I'm sure they're they're very good riders. But Lars and Mikola are are people to watch for sure in a couple weeks. So exciting, hey? Eh? Wag yeah. coming up really fast, and uh, and uh, you know I think everybody will be glued. I guess to their computers. You can't really get it on yes. TV, right? You, you have <laughs> right. to watch stream versions of of the show. But uh, awesome. Fun. Right. And how about uh, in Verdun, uh, Forever Dancer, a KWPN stallion written by Kristen Brower of the Netherlands, won the six-year-old uh, World Young Horse Championship. So Pretty that good. was I awesome. Think the, I think Dutch horses were one, two, and three, if I'm not wrong. Yeah. I think they were <laughs> all over the podium for the six-year-olds. Uh, yes, that's right. I love it, though. Yeah, those Germans I, should be scared, huh? I think I <laughs> I think they should be definitely thinking about yeah, that they, for they, sure. Yeah, that's uh, pretty exciting and fun. You know, you can watch lots of videos from the from the Young Horse Championships, you know, online and stuff. And and they're pretty exciting horses that you're going to see for sure on on uh, you know world teams in the future when when they get trained a little bit more, a few more years, and and they can be on the teams and stuff. So exciting horses. Exactly, and it's really fun. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, really and it's really fun. Stuff. To go online and and really and and watch it actually it's very fun. Yeah, I mean I think something that's been really great that I've seen over um, the last few years is that you can watch horses. Um, I think for me, Damon Hill was uh, a specialist because he rode the five-year-olds, the six-year-olds, and you can watch him do the uh, the the young horse pre St. George and and then the young horse Grand Prix and then right up to the Grand Prix into the Olympics. I mean, when you can watch horses develop like that, kind of online through the competition obviously you can't see them train every day but through the competitions you can see you know the progression of the horses and and how and how the top riders make you know phenomenal horses into grand prix horses you know and and they finish them off and then and then they show in the grand prix and olympics and all this stuff and uh and you can kind of it's kind of like oh i was there when i saw them win the young horse yeah online obviously but um i think that's pretty exciting and pretty awesome because that gives everybody a guideline you know, here's the best riders with the best horses, um, you know, working through the levels. And, and, and that's that's something that, you know, the technology has allowed us to do. So pretty cool. Right. I know. And it's worth if we're especially a rainy afternoon or a rainy evening to to pull those up. That's quite fun to do that. So, yeah. And then one more piece of news is the FEI has announced that uh, Her Royal Highness Princess Haya is not running for a third term of the of the FEI as president of the FEI. Um, and she uh, is, is really a, a fascinating lady and, and she wants to work on humanitarian aid and raising her children um, in the Middle East. So um, we wish her well and thank her for all, all the things that she's done for the FEI and for all the riders in horse yeah, sport around the world. I can't imagine how hard that job is, huh? Oh, I can't. And, and, and all her other. in charge of all the disciplines oh, and trying to, trying to work with all the, all the interest groups and stuff. That's incredible. Right. So, and raise children and, and do oh, everything goodness. else. Yeah. Yes. Working women for sure. And, and she <laughs> was, wants to work on humanitarian aid in Gaza. So I think that that's um, a, a very, very noble cause and something she probably can uh, impact. So very, very cool. Awesome. Uh, but we are sorry that she is leaving the FEI for sure. So I think there's something, uh, there was something in the FEI news that we did not talk about when it came up uh, a few weeks ago. And, and I, I was like, oh my God, that's exciting. And I wanted to bring it up on the show, and then I forgot until just this second. <laughs> um, now, Reese, did you pick up that news piece about the FEI adding amateur classes to the CDIs? No, I did not. I have to be honest. Yeah, I know. I didn't, get, I didn't get as much press as I thought it would, and I just, I just saw it on... Uh, oh, I forget where I saw that, but it doesn't matter. Uh, let's see if I can add it to the Facebook page. But the FEI is adding amateur classes to CDIs. 
How cool is so that? Maybe that one day there really will be cool. a world amateur Grand Prix, or or I don't know how yeah. this is going to go, but it's it's isn't that cool? That's really cool. Oh yeah, I didn't I did not pick that up. So I'm glad you said something. Yeah, Very I'm gonna, cool. I'm gonna, fi- I'm gonna I love try it. Well, and go back gets... and find that, and then and then bring, and post it. That would be great. We would all yeah. love that. Yeah, so, <laughs> we would all love that. Sorry, yeah, that's that's all I got. Yeah, that's that's quite good. Well, after this commercial break, we're going to come back with our interview with Linda Pirelli, and she's going to talk about her new DVD, The Scale of Training in Action, along with Christoph Hess. Are you tired of treating your horse for soreness? Well, then be proactive. Benefab offers you and your horse a natural remedy to joint and muscle stiffness, inflammation, and circulatory deficiencies. Benefab offers a variety of innovative products, like saddle pads and polo wraps and quarter sheets for your horse, and socks and blankets for you. Simply ride in it or wear it and feel the difference Benefab's ceramic-infused products make. You can check them out online at BenefabProducts.com, or you can call them toll-free at 855 855- Nine five seven eight three seven eight. Easy Signs Online is the official sign company of the Horse Radio Network. This week's product highlight are their personalized nameplates. Perfect for horse stalls, tack rooms, lockers, bedroom doors, dog kennels, or whatever you can think of. Choose from hundreds of online graphics to further customize the nameplates from EasySignsOnline.com. Made from one half inch thick, solid PVC signboard, these colorful and unique one-sided nameplates are three and a half inches by 16 inches and are designed for durability, long-term indoor or outdoor use. They are only $39.95 each, and remember, free shipping on most orders over $100. Visit them at EasySignsOnline.com. Well, it is our pleasure this evening to have Linda Pirelli on. She is on to talk about their new DVD that she has released with Christoph Hess, The Scale of Training in Action. Linda, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's great to be back. I know. We were just saying it's been a little while um, after your symposium (laughs) in Wellington, so it's fun to have you back. So tell us about your new project. Well, um, gosh, I think it was about a year and a half ago, Christoph and I got together and made the scale of training um, where we tried to, well, what I wanted to do was have him explain how the scale of training works and give us examples of it. And then I could ask all the dumb questions, you know, that people like you and I sometimes go, well, I hear what they're saying, but I don't really know what they mean. And I'm a really avid student. And um, so I often ask really good, dumb questions, you know, whether it's for me or because they're questions I know other people would have. So um, that was the first product, and, you know, it, it's gone quite well. And then I went and watched Christoph teaching in Maryland um, last year, and I was so blown away watching him in a clinic environment because he took horse after horse after horse after horse after horse and rider, of course, and um, just by really concentrating on the scale of training, he says, this is my Bible, he looked everything in order, and he did not let anybody go past the basics until they had those right. And that meant people who were riding at FEI level. Some were very successful. Some were more amateur. Some were not very far along. But he did that with every one of them. And the transformations by day two were incredible. And it almost looked like they did nothing on day one. I mean, of course, they did something. But um, <laughs> it wasn't very complicated. He just said, no, you're going to stay with this until you really get that horse going forward in rhythm and you find the relaxation. And then he starts seeking the contact. Whereas, you know, what most people want to do is take up the contact and say, well, let's go. But you haven't got the rhythm and relaxation first. And so how he does that is um, really cool. And it also is, is fairly similar to what we do. But he really translated translate it into the dressage environment. Anyway, so um, after the, the first morning of watching him teach, I said, this is what our next DVD has to be on. He goes, yes, you're right. <laughs> he's so passionate. You know, he's so like, he is. Um, excited about everything. And he said, yes, this is what we should do. It. And so then he starts saying, okay, that person should be in there. And he started thinking about what that DVD should feature um, at, while he was teaching. 
so I made a lot of notes um, as he was teaching over those two days, and we got ready to film in February. And what we decided to do was um, we really wanted to make sure that we covered from the lower levels up to the high levels, but you know, not to make it a 20 DVD pack, just have a couple of DVDs. And so we, am I rambling on too much? Am I okay? You're doing beautifully. No, you're wonderful. I'm with you. I'm with you all the way. Keep going. I thought I better just check in in case we got cut off or something. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was just, I was just going to jump in and say that like Christoph has is, has to be the most enthusiastic guy I've ever met in the world of horses and dressage. and, And it's very infectious. So I can, I can hear it in your voice, and I Absolutely. can tell when you're yes. talking that uh, that you know how much on board he was with this, and how I'm I'm excited to hear all about it. So, and he truly oh, is well, cool. such a such a he's almost when you watch him, it's like watching a kid in a candy store. He gets so <laughs> excited. If, if you haven't seen him teach before, he's he's truly a gem, and he's so positive, and he's the same in he coaching is. and judging, and yeah, so he's so. just having a wonderful time, and he brings yeah. he draws a crowd in, and everybody's having a great time, and. He and does. the horses are having fun, and the he riders does. are having fun, and they're getting it done too. I mean, you can you can see that you know it's not just for show; it's dressage is happening, and and horse training is happening. And it's just a, a wonderful way to, yeah. to be to go about it. So, so uh, and the I'm, great thing was that um, he was you know he was coaching the riders in the ring, but then he was also talking to the spectators, and some of the spectators were trainers, and some of the spectators were judges. So he would have this multi-level conversation with everybody while he was teaching. It was really fantastic. I mean, I got some great notes out of it. Yeah. Anyway, so what we wanted to do, <laughs> what we wanted to do was um, show these different levels of riders and horses. So the first rider is actually one of our students, and she's gone through our foundation. So her horsemanship is very good, but she doesn't know anything about dressage. And so she was riding a horse that was not her horse, doesn't do dressage either. In fact, it was a a problem horse that had been rehabilitated through our program. And so Christoph takes her, named Liz, and this horse and just shows, well, here's how we'd start. And I tell you what, it makes you want to get into dressage because Mm -hmm. a lot of people look at dressage and they go, oh, my God, that's so hard and it doesn't look like it's fun and, you know, you have to be really committed and work really hard. And when you see how he coaches Liz through it, you just go, oh, my God, I could do that. And I think it's yeah. a great foot in the door to then go, dressage is not, I mean. It's not it's, that it's, bad. It's yeah, it's, 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 it's not but that it's not bad. bad. And it's like but, anything yeah. <laughs> you try to be good at, anything you try to be good at takes a lot of work and understanding. But if it's enjoyable when you first get into it, then you're more likely to want to pursue it. And I thought that Christoph did a super job with that. So, um. So then the second rider is um, a man by the name of Tick Maynard, and he's been long-listed and I think short-listed on, for the Canadian Olympic team in eventing on more than one occasion. And I met him at the Christoph Hess Clinic that I went to in Maryland, and he was doing a natural horsemanship demo. And when he heard that I was there, because I kind of slid in under the radar, <laughs> he had a panic attack, and he came up to me and he said, I feel terrible that I'm going to be doing this demo and you're here and you should be doing it. And I said, oh, for goodness sake, no, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing your demo and how you combine natural horsemanship and introduce it into, you know, performance disciplines like this. And he did a most phenomenal job and he did it on both days and really connected the crowd with why we want to be able to relate to horses like this and how it will enhance your dressage. So then we became friendly through that, and he came down to Ocala last winter. And Christoph had said to me, if you can get Tick on the video, we want him. Oh, DVD, sorry. I'm showing my age. <laughs> um, we want him because he's such a lovely rider, and he's a really considerate rider. He does really great with young horses, and he was most complimentary of Tick. And so as luck would have it, Tick was spending a month. He rented some stables down there in Ocala, getting out of the Canadian winter, I guess. Yeah. And, um, Philip knows know about, about that. Yeah. Know all about that. Knows about so, that. Uh, yeah, the, the, there's a lot of lucky trainers that yeah. get to go to Florida. Yeah. Amen. Right. Anyway, so he was down right at the time we were doing this filming. So it worked out perfectly. And he had a young six-year-old um, horse that had just come, come in from Holland. And um, 
So we see then an experienced rider with a horse that's not very far along. So then it goes to the next level above Liz. Then the third rider is me. And it's with my horse that I've developed myself. His name is Hot Jazz. He's a, he's a lovely Oldenburg horse. And kind of, um, it was a very difficult horse to train. Not behaviorally difficult, but he's just kind of shy and unconfident. So it's taken a lot before I could get him to where I can ask him to do things and he doesn't panic. Anyway, so uh, he's been going really well. And um, I rode him in the first DVD set that we did together, Gustav and I. And we were just like just starting with him into, into dressage. So now you're seeing him about a year on and where we're at. And um, the first lesson is, is pretty good. And then the second lesson, he really pushes me um, to the next level. And so I tell a lot of people, you may just want to buy this DVD set to see me having trouble. <laughs> oh, no, that's life. It that's was, training horses it was, it right there. Challenge. I know. It was challenging because, <laughs> You know, he started coaching me through shoulder ins and um, different things. And, and uh, of course, I can do shoulder ins and I can keep my horse around. But when he had me adding the power and impulsion that I was supposed to have, I couldn't keep anything together. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think it's been a, yeah, it's a good example of, you know, what can happen to you and how it all comes out good in the end and how to keep a good attitude as a student and as a teacher. So I think this... You know, this DVD set kind of hits at many, many different levels. And then finally, we have an FEI level rider. Her name is Meta Larson. And she's, um, I think, currently the number one amateur uh, rider in the United States. She's non-pro. She's a doctor. And she does this for her recreation. But she's seriously good. And she discovered um, Pirelli at our dressage summit. She rode with Christoph in, in that um, show. And uh, she had two horses that were very, very, very challenging. And my husband, Pat, went up to her in the break and said, do you think I could help you with your horses? <laughs> like some of the behavioral issues that you're having. And she was like, please, because they were pretty dangerous. And she's a very good rider, which kind of makes it worse because then she can ride most anything instead of fixing it. So um, he started working with her. And long story short, she came and spent six weeks with us um, after the dressage summit. And now she's got um, a Pirelli assistant trainer. She's she's doing it all with her horses on the ground, and then she carries it on into her dressage work, and her horses are doing fantastic. So she's um, she's the fourth rider in that, and she's got a horse that she's riding that you can see is very upset on the first lesson, very distracted by different things, and you see how Christoph um, just works her through it. And on the second day, it's just beautiful. So you see lesson one and then lesson two um, with all these four riders. And and interspersed through the whole um, series of DVDs, there's only two DVDs, but through the lessons is little interview snippets between Christoph and I where we're talking about natural horsemanship or about dressage and what are the problems and how do we think we can help on either end and how the scale of training works. And So it's quite rich. It's got a lot of interesting content. Oh, it sounds like it. And and I think the scale of training really can help people break down. Like we were saying, dressage can be really intimidating. But when you think of it, yeah. dressage in the in the scale of training, in each box of the scale, it sort of helps as a yeah. roadmap to kind of get you to where Absolutely. you need to go. And so I, I can only imagine that the video is is quite you know, I, I, you were very kind and sent me after our last interview, you sent me the, the DVD set of the, the lessons before. And it was really cool to sit down from a dressage perspective and say, okay, I'm going to learn something new here. And I really love the way that you break everything down and you're so passionate and you're so pro horse that it truly was, uh, you know, Thank it you. was a really, it was a great opportunity for me to, to learn and open and, and learn something new. So I love how you're kind of, you know, kind of marinating or, or mixing the two together here because I yeah. think it'll be a nice next step in the in the DVD set on, on okay, this is something that everybody can work toward and everybody can do this right. as you as you go through. So I, I love love the idea and I think it's a fa- it's a fabulous and, and like we oh, said, Chris Christoph is wonderful. You know, he's, he's, even if you just, you see him from a, I've seen him at a couple of trainer symposiums and he is just so kind and so infectious. And he reminds you and all of us, you're, we are pro horse here and we're, this, we're trying to, to, to work together and not apart. So, um, it, it really, I can imagine. 
This is a great DVD set. Yeah, well, we're having a boat. We were talking yesterday, and he's going, okay, what's our next DVD? I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah you're like, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. About yeah, always on to the next thing, <laughs> right? Yeah, so that's really cool. And, and um, I think also what's really fun is to work with somebody of his caliber who really understands the gymnastic training of the horse and the rider. And to be so open-minded and see the value that we bring on the mental-emotional side of the horse and how do we combine these two things together? Because he's all about the happy athlete, you know, the happy, healthy athlete. And so we've had some quite in-depth conversations about, you know, how do you know if the horse is happy? And how do you keep him happy? And especially if you're doing something that is as gymnastically demanding as dressage in a rather boring 20 by 60 arena, mm-hmm. you know? How do you how do you ride a horse in there and have the horse go, oh boy, when you ride in, <laughs> instead of, oh no, not this again. <laughs> so, you know, that's one of the things that we really um, are trying to bring into view. And I think, um, you know, just to give a little sneaky peek of our discussion yesterday, we both were thinking along the lines of problem solving. So, you know, if you've got this problem, that problem, how would you solve it? Um, from a dressage point of view via Christoph's advice. And then if it's a behavioral problem, how would we do it? And so, again, bring those two worlds closer together so that everybody's got answers. It's not, you know, Broly's not taking over dressage. It's, you know, what can we add that we know about um, in the mental-emotional part of the horse? Oh, I think that's phenomenal. And, and Yeah. yeah, from a trainer's perspective, you know, we always... You always need help. I mean, when you have that problem horse where, you know, there's sometimes I sit sit awake at night and say, okay, how can I think out of the box or how can I meld, you know, every training system? I think that it's, it's, that's a great idea. I would be in for that video for sure. That DVD. Okay. That is, that is, uh, you know, that's always the question. Great. Well, there's our first boat. I know. I'm in. There you go. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) I got boat one. But it's true. I think that, and and that's where, you know, knowing and breathing the scale actually can really help. Because you can go back, and this is uh, back to this this DVD, is you can go back and say, okay, am I having problems at rhythm? Am I having problems at relaxation? Where am I having my issue and and sometimes to just step back and like you said, go to the basics, that is such an important thing to do. Yep. Yep. And so. he's he's manic about it. I mean I've seen I've seen things where people go, Oh well that's relaxed enough. He's like, uh uh-uh. uh. Uh uh. Could always not be better, right? Go. Yeah. Yeah, we are not passing go till we really truly have that relaxation. And you know, when you're a stickler for those basics like that, oh my gosh, the next day the horses came in they I mean, they looked, they looked different. I've never seen transformations from one lesson to the next, um, as I've seen with Christoph. And I've been to a lot of clinics. Really <laughs> quite extraordinary. Yeah, yeah, he's a great guy. Now, Linda, I wonder if you could just mm. talk to us a little bit more about, um, you know, marrying the natural horse and horsemanship to the dressage and some of the benefits that you've seen in your experience about even going back to, you know, before the training scale to, to the, the groundwork and that sort of thing? Yeah, well, I, um, first of all, I met Pat because I was a struggling dressage rider. Right. <laughs> so dressage was always, well, actually, it was not always my passion. Eventing was my passion. And I got a horse that was so out of control that my instructor said, you know, we really should focus on dressage for a while. And I'm thinking, oh, God, how boring. You know, I don't want to do dressage. <laughs> Eventers, you know, you do dressage because you have to, but all the fun's in your cross country and jumping, right? So mm. I was one of those that reluctantly came into dressage and then found out how difficult it was. And then I had a horse that was working against me. And he was not just resistant. I mean, he was downright dangerous. And I struggled with him for two years and basically made no progress. And finally, um, I was on the point of giving up. And I just happened to see a video of Pat Pirelli in my local tax store. I mean, what are odds? Some things are just meant to be. And I saw him, well, I saw this cowboy riding around on a horse. Oh, that's pretty good, but cowboy's got nothing to do with me, you know. Hmm. And uh, he was doing flying changes and spins, and then he did a slide stop that, you know, he went at least, I don't know, 30, 40 feet, skidding that horse into the ground. And then the camera zoomed in, and I saw there was no bridle on the horse's head. And so everything I'd been watching, I didn't even realize the horse had no bridle because you just don't see that. I mean, this is back in 1989, <laughs> so you really didn't see it. Right, you do right. now. <laughs> but 89, it was like, huh? 
How in the heck can you do that? I've ridden a horse with no bridle. I rode my ponies with no bridle, but I wasn't in any kind of control. (laughs) And here he was doing all this stuff. And I thought, well, you know, if he can do all of this and stop his horse from a dead run at a gallop with no bridle, then maybe he can teach me to stop my horse from a trot at X with about $300 worth of gadgets on his head. So, right. um, that's more now. Yeah, that's more now. It's more than that now. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> something wrong with this picture. If I can't stop from a trot, I've got, you know, control issues and I've got every gadget known to man at that time. There's something I need to learn from this cowboy. Even if he's a cowboy, I'm going. I'm a dressage rider <laughs> and I'm going. Everyone told me not to go, that I was an idiot. But this is the best part. They said, He's going to be like all those Americans because this was Australia. I forgot to say that. I'm from Australia. <laughs> so I was in Sydney. I was in Sydney. And he came over there and was teaching. And somebody said to me, because I'm trying to say, you need to come. You should have seen what he was doing on this video. No, no, that's stupid. And what's a cowboy going to teach you about dressage? And I said, I don't want him to teach me about dressage. I want him to teach me how to stop my horse. Yeah, there you and, go. Um, and then... One person said to me, you know, it's like all those Yanks, those Americans, they'll just come over here and you'll never see them again. Take all your money and you'll never see them again. I thought, well, I proved that one wrong. <laughs> ended up marrying the guy, you know. So. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, That's the way to keep him around. Yeah, so my horse, my horse was the worst horse at the clinic. But uh, within a couple of hours, I had the most amazing transformation and I was sold. It was like I'd been struggling for two years with less than five days a week. And I still could not control the horse. And now, within two hours at this clinic, Pat Farrelly Clinic, I'm riding my horse in a halter with other horses around me, and everything's fine. So then I, I got on that track studying. You know, I had, he had a few videos back then. And then, to cut a long story short, you know, I, I opened an office for him in Sydney, and then I ended up coming over here because he asked me if I'd like to help him change the world. And I said, sure. I had no idea yeah. what that meant, but I'm on. <laughs> I'm in. So um, a lot of what happens uh, in how we get introduced to dressage riders is through problems because looking from the outside, they look at natural horsemanship and go, well, that's not dressage. What's that got to do with me? And I think these days natural horsemanship comes across a little bit more as a discipline than it does as a horsemanship foundation for horses or riders. And that's okay because it's you know kept a lot of people loving what they do and playing with their horses in different ways, and especially people who can't ride and they can do lots of things on the ground. But originally, um, our whole program was about teaching people to understand the nature and the needs of horses. And then that the easiest place to create a positive relationship and understanding and communication is on the ground because you can look each other in the eyes. You're not trying to stay on a crazy horse. You can fix problems and misunderstandings. And then the horse goes, oh, I thought you were trying to kill me. You were just asking me to do a half pass, <laughs> right? right. Yes, so, sure. So we fix those on the ground. Same thing um, with bits. A lot of horses have big trouble with bits. And so people say bits are the problem. And it's not necessarily about the bit. The horse just doesn't understand what he's supposed to do with it. So then we take it from the, the mental emotional side of the horse and go, how can we create understanding? How can we teach him that we're not trying to force him and kill him? We just want to dance together and we dance in this way. And once the horse understands, then a lot of the problems go away. So that's how we've been introduced into some pretty high-level areas as well as lower levels of dressage. But, you know, we've been to Samur in, in um, France because they had a horse there that they could not ride. And uh, we've been to several of the top, top trainers around the world, including Klaus Balkenhall and um, Michel Henriquet in France. And um, there's lots of them. Luz Lucio in Spain, who's now the coach for the Spanish Riding School. David mm-hmm. O'Connor, we didn't actually meet because of a problem horse, but, you know, we became very close because he immediately loved our methods and um, started incorporating them in his clinics. Um, so a lot of people come to us because they've got a problem that's, getting in the way of their success or is dangerous and they've tried everything and they haven't solved it. And so we're the last resort, <laughs> but yeah. we'll take it. Thank okay. You. Well, you don't, you don't yeah, mind that. You're, you're, you don't want to give up it. on the horse. Yeah. Then that's how we help. So I don't think we found a way to really 
um, be mainstream in, in as far as going, you know, these are the things that you can do with your horse to become more calm, connected and responsive and supple and get him to understand it from the mental, emotional point of view. And then you can take that knowledge into your performance world and your gymnastic work and all those kinds of things and you'll know how to solve or prevent problems that come up. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Linda, I, I'm still curious about this story about, you know, that first horse where, you know, you were introduced to the Pirelli thing. I mean, yeah. what was it about that case, for example, that, that, you know, that you kind of made a breakthrough, you were able to, able, what was it in that, in that situation? Well, my horse, um, he was a, a thoroughbred, and, but he was built like a warm blood, a very good looking horse, big, powerful gates. And um, he was, I mean, I'm saying this now, he was terrified of contact and he was terrified of being, he was terrified of your leg, he was terrified of your hand um, and, and he would he would look crazy. I mean, rearing, bolting, fractious, dangerous, difficult, I've got scars on my body to prove it, you know. Oh. So, um, uh, yeah, and I wouldn't give up, you know, because I loved him but he's trying to kill me. Yeah, well, why, why, why wouldn't you give up either? Me. I mean... Yeah. I mean, as a seri- I mean I if you, you were injured by this horse and all of this, I mean, what made you keep going? I, I, I guess I, I just believed there was going to be a solution. And finally, people started getting aggravated with me and saying, you know, you need to sell this horse. It's, it's not a horse for you. It's a man's horse. Um, he's dangerous. He's going to kill you. And it's not you. It's the horse. Right. And then I would look him, at him in the paddock and I'd go, there's a disconnect here because he doesn't look crazy in the paddock. He looks like a normal horse. He's not crazy to lead around. As soon as I start tacking him up, the craziness begins. And then when I'm riding, the craziness gets worse. And so I just became an avoidaholic. I set everything up so that I could survive my riding and training sessions with him. And I would ride in a very small arena with no other horses when the weather was perfect. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. I think because there's a lot of that if, story if out there. A, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I think yeah, there's a lot of that out there. I mean, yeah. we, avoid, we avoid the things that we don't know how to solve. Instead. Right. But what we try to do is go, you know, there's a way to solve this. So if I rode him in large areas, he was out of control. If other horses turned up, he was out of control. And if the weather got windy, that was it. It was like taken mm. back to the barn. So, um, I, I, and you know, I really was on the point of giving up because I, I bought every bit at that time that I thought would do it. I had every martingale and chambon and yeah. drawing, you name it. I had everything and nothing fixed him. And I loved him and I didn't want to give up on him, but I was at that point because I'd been to some of the, um, top trainers and one of them was a, a world renowned, well, international, in, a nationally renowned anyway, Australian renowned. <laughs> trainer that people would take problem horses to of any discipline and but I didn't want to do it because I went and saw him he actually lived not far from where I was and I thought well I'll go up and watch what he does and I just thought it was so cool it's like well I'll retire my horse to the paddock before I take him to that guy so um when I went to Pat's clinic I mean my horse was body slamming me and every other horse all the other horses I could barely lead him and then Pat started us on what is now called the seven games. And he said they're the games that horses play with each other to establish a relationship of trust and respect. And he said, for humans, we need the trust and respect, but often the trust is harder to get because we're a predator and the horse is a prey animal. And so he gave us the first thing to do. And actually, when he was talking about prey animals, I, I remember thinking, huh? Huh? <laughs> I never even thought of that. I've been in horses 20 years, and this is the first time that I hear somebody talk about a horse as a prey animal. Because I went, this is my horsey. Like, he's my dressage yeah. horsey. Yeah. <laughs> prey animals are in those National Geographic videos, and, and it's like, wow. So that was the first thing that was a, a big paradigm shift for me. And then knowing that we were predators and how we were perceived by horses, even if we were vegetarians, even if we were kind, <laughs> they still know that we are predators and that's right below the surface. And often we don't get past that, that place in our relationship with horses. So they go, you're a predator, you're like a, a wolf in sheep's clothing and we're just <laughs> waiting to see the wolf. Yeah. So um, 
that was really big for me just on the theoretical side. Um, so it changed my paradigm. And I had actually brought a list of problems with me because I wanted to be prepared. So I wrote oh. a list of everything that was wrong with my horse. I wrote two pages of all the things that he did. And I was going to read them out to Pat because he would ask everybody, you know, so tell me about your horse or whatever. Right. And he talked about prey animals and predators before he got to me. And so I didn't read in the list. I just said, I have problems and I think you'll see them. But I went, oh my God, I had two pages of problems on my horse. But he really only has one problem, me. Oh, yeah. He's fine yeah. when I'm yeah. not around. So it was a very humbling moment for me. And, um, and then he started the seven game thing. And the first one was the friendly game. And that's to prove to the horse that you would never hurt or kill him or eat him, even though you could. And so, first of all, we just had to rub our horses and see if there was any place we couldn't touch, like if you couldn't touch their ears or their hind leg or under their tail or their muzzle or, you know, you were looking for head shy or anything like that. My horse was fine. I could rub him all over. And then he said, now I want you to take the end of your lead rope and just toss it over your horse's back and do it six times without your horse moving his feet. I thought, oh, I've never done that, but that sounds easy. And so I went to throw the end of my rope over his back, and he flipped out. And he pulled back, nearly flipped over. I had rope burns on my hand. I couldn't hold him. He got loose. He's galloping around the arena. The the rope is between his legs. He's frantic and freaked out. And I'm standing there going, oh, my God. Uh, And... um, Everyone else is throwing the rope over their horse's back. No problem. <laughs> My horse is like, <laughs> and you're just running. Yeah, yours is yes, gone. that would happen to My me. My horse is that gone. Would to me. He's left the planet. <laughs> and so Pat walked up to me because his assistants were then, you know, trying to calm my horse and get him to where they could approach him and get him back to me. And Pat came up to me and he said, this is the six things we're going to do today. This is before we had seven games. There were six things. Right. And he said, this one is the most important He said, and what you've just discovered is that your horse does not trust you one bit. And he said, we're not going to try to communicate with him or ask him to do anything until we've got the trust in place. So (laughs) he brought the horse back to me and then he showed me how to not start by throwing it over his back because, of course, he's going to freak out. So how can I do little things and work up to it and use approach and retreat? So I started learning about how to help build confidence with prey animals and well, with horses anyway, since then people have done it with any kind of prey animal. So um, so finally, my horse stood still, and I could throw the rope over his back, but it took an hour and a half. Wow. And I, I mean, I don't know actually how I stayed with it, because I think I went through every emotion known to man. You know, I got frustrated, then I got kind of angry and impatient, and of course I'm trying not to show my horse, and, but my horse can read everything, because even though you're faking it, they can read your energy. And right. so finally, I got so tired, and Pat would ride by. Everyone else has been through all the games now, and they're almost ready to ride their horses, and I'm still trying to get this rope over my horse's back. Mm-hmm. And, so, and Pat would come by every now and then, and he'd go, you're doing great. I was like, you've got to be kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even throw this rope over my horse's back. He says, no, you're doing great. Keep it up. I've never seen it take longer than two days. Oh, gosh. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know what? My, this is really embarrassing, but you know what my first thought was after he said that? Is that this is only a one-day clinic. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. Anyway. So, so then, you know, he, he walked away and he's coaching the other people and I'm there with his dang rope and having to try and throw it over my horse's back. And I thought about what he said and I went, you know what? I run out of patience in about five seconds. And if nothing else, he's trying to teach me about patience. And if I can t- adopt that thing, but it might take two days, then maybe I'll get it done. Yeah. And so my attitude changed. Instead of having to get it done and being all frustrated and everybody else ahead of me, and you know, all of a sudden, it was about the horse. What if I gave him two days? What if I did that? And do you know, in the next 10 minutes, I got it. No kidding. It's incredible. So that was huge. It was huge. It was it was massive for me. And Pat really thought that I was going to quit and you know leave the clinic and because it, it doesn't always take that long with horses. But mine was pretty serious. <laughs> and then by the afternoon, I was I could saddle him with because I used to have to cross tie him, and even then he'd try to escape the saddle when I put it on him. But I could saddle him on a loose rope, not tied up. 
um, I rode him with a halter and one rein with um, 15 other riders in the in the arena. And I mean, it was it was unbelievable for me that I'd struggled for two years and now all of a sudden I could do this. And I remembered, um, you know, when he he talked about uh, riding without a bridle and things like that, and he just said, you know, it's not something you try to do. Um, but he said, I do it to prove a point that, um, you know, it's not about the bit. There's no bit in the world that can control a horse's mind or emotions. You might be get, able to control him physically but that's not going to get to the mental emotional connection that you want or need. And he said, so I ride without a bridle to show that that's, it, it doesn't take that, that there's nothing stronger than the bond between you and your horse. And that's what we, you know, that's what we teach. Yeah. So, um, and there was, cause I thought, I don't care if I ever ride my horse with no bridle. I don't care. I, I don't want to, <laughs> or I, I think I'm going to die anyway. And, <laughs> and I don't even care about riding him in a halter. I just want to stop him in the bit. But by the end of the day, I was, so changed in terms of looking at what horses need in the relationship with us. Whereas before it was very one-sided. It was, what do I want from my horse? What are my goals? What do I want to achieve? And you dumb horse, you're in my way. You're bolting and you're fractious and you're not behaving. And, you know, how will I ever reach my goals? So mm. I was very, very different after that day. Um, really really changed. I looked at horses in a completely different way. And my progress, you know, after that was incredible. And, um, you know, I remember it was about a year later and I was riding in a public arena. Um, and, you know, there's a few other people there and I was just playing and I was actually riding my horse with no bridle. And at the end of it, I took off his saddle and I laid him down on the ground. And this person came up to me and said, hey, Linda, hi. Hey, what have happened to that crazy horse of yours? And I said, well, here he is. He's lying well, on the ground is, next yeah. to me. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, it's huge. And, and so it doesn't mean that that's the be-all and end-all, but when you've got that kind of trust and respect, you can do anything. It doesn't matter what your goals are. Yeah. And now you also do it as your partner, your willing partner, not just because he has no other choice, you know? Well, wow. I think that's And I think awesome, a lot man. of us, yeah. yeah, a lot of us, you know, we love our horses and we want them to enjoy it, but we don't really know how to get them to do that. And especially if it's a fairly challenging horse, then, you know, it's more difficult to understand what's really needed. Right, right. Yeah. You guys well, make I, me I mean, talk I a think, lot. like, the biggest, thing, the biggest <laughs> thing here is that, is that, you know, sometimes it's about training the horse, but most of the time it's about training riders, right? And, yeah. And, and riders can yeah. take their skills and, their, and, and what they learn to another horse, and, and you know, and, and, and it's not just about one singular horse. Because, I mean, we live a lot longer Absolutely. than our horses do, don't we? So... We usually need we yeah, need and, a couple in our lives. Yeah, exactly. And and you know the horse the horse wasn't looking for us. You know we looked for them. And so now how can we be a, their leader where they go, oh you're my alpha and I love you and you know I'm not scared of you and I try my heart out for you. And people think there's only some horses that are like that. But we're known the world over for taking some of the most challenging horses on the planet. And 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 developing that kind of a relationship. And so that's what we teach people, is how can you have that kind of relationship, and then you can take it and do whatever you want. But we're the leader, so it's our responsibility. Um, the horse's livelihood and well-being and happiness, I, you know, I feel very strongly about as being our responsibility. And the more we can know about that, um, become better partners and leaders for our horses, the happier they are. No, that's so true. And I, I just love, I love how you describe it, Linda, and I love your passion for it because I think, you know, this is something that, that, you know, we work here at my barn with a lot of my adult amateur clients where, you know, yeah. I, I, I say, come on, you know, you have to be the leader and you really have to, to lead this horse. And, and there's a lot that goes into that. That's a, it's easy to say, but it's not, yeah. sometimes it's not so easy to do. So, um, I just, I, it's not, it's, it's hard. And then, then you bring in dressage and all the, the, complexity of that and you know that's yeah. why I love that you have now taken it to this scale of training DVD because it kind of brings it all around and then it, it really will help people you know again there is there is a roadmap there there is a way to do it if this the sport yeah. is is not a new sport um, it's been around a while so um, yeah. I love 
I, I love your and you, you know how you, your infectious um, excitement about it, and also Christoph Hess mm-hmm. is the same. He's he's really truly right. wonderful, and 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 we always enjoy having you on the show, and and I always feel so passionate after you after our interviews. So I thank you for your oh, time thank and. You so much. Linda, how do people find you online? How, if, if they want to buy the DVD or, or ask some questions, how do they do that? Pirelli.com. Great. Pirelli.com. That's pretty, that's pretty simple. Yeah, huh? we can handle that. <laughs> yeah, pretty simple. Pirelli.com. Yeah. <laughs> and it's P-A-R-E-L-L-I. P-A-R-E-L-L-I.com. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Well, this week, Philip, you and I are doing the Total Saddle Fit uh, shoulder relief girth trainer tip of the week, and it's actually coming from a listener question. So go for it, Philip. All right. Well, we got a great email here, and uh, um, this is a, a position question, so I'll get right into it. I'll just read as much as... I think is important here for this. Um, this is a problem that a lot of people have, so it's not a very specific issue. And then we thought it would be great for the show because we want to talk about a few of these issues here on the show. That, so um, let's let's go. First of all, I walk like a duck, and therefore ride like a duck. <laughs> a, few, <laughs> a few years ago, we thought that maybe if I put spurs on, that would force me to turn my toes in. I rode with them in for several months and did not manage to change my leg position. So I was banned from wearing spurs ever again. Now it's time for my horse to learn changes and spurs might help me with the aid. Any thoughts on how to get my stubborn legs to go where they should? I I realize it's not my feet. It comes from the hips. I try in daily life to correct my walk as well. Any other ideas that that Reese and I have would be appreciated. And thanks for a great show every week. So. What Love do you think, Reese? Here, this is a, yeah. I mean, this is a problem. So many, this is, so yeah. many people have. Don't think like you're alone if if you have. No, issues. no. This Thankfully, really is a tough one. <laughs> this is a tough one, and and I have to be honest. I'm actually pigeon toed, which is better for riding. So if you see me walk, I I walk like not a duck. I walk the other way, uh, which, like I said, is better for riding. <laughs> you rub your toes your together. Yeah, I rub my toes together. Um, so not quite that bad, but so I, I can I can sympathize with with the way your body is. And, and like I said, I lo- I love how you said it comes from your hips because it does. Um, and I also love that you are really working off the horse to try to not walk like a duck. I think that that's important because yeah, it's working, muscle memory. Yeah, every day, you know, you can do every day. things to help you. Right, and every and, and you know again the the theory is that it takes ten thousand muscle repetitions to change a habit, and if you've been walking like a duck all your life, it's going to be really challenging to change that. Um, so I think um, number one, working when you're not in the saddle is a really good idea. I think that's really important, and then number two, um, I am and I know Philip is too. Riding without stirrups is a really huge thing. It will help a lot because uh, gravity takes over. Again, you have to have the right horse to take your stirrups away. And, and again, if you're riding something uh, crazy or that needs to see Linda Pirelli, don't <laughs> ride without stirrups. But, uh, you know, if you're on a, a good horse um, in, in, an, in an arena, I, you're usually okay. And, and really, we work a lot on riding without stirrups. I think it's a really important thing. Um, and then the other thing that I would say is lunge lessons. Those are also very, very helpful yeah, working. Bring it back to lunge lessons. Mm-hmm. Good one. Good one. Yep. Lunge lessons <laughs> are huge. And then just doing some basic exercises where you, you kind of show your legs, you know, stand in front of the mirror if you have one or even bring out a little mirror or something that you can see and or videotape so you can change. And so your body kind of knows, okay, this is the position I'm supposed to be in versus this is when I'm not. So, Philip, what do you think about that before we tackle the Spurs side of it? Yeah, let's, yeah I mean, um, the position thing, I mean, it helps. I try and uh, teach riders, you know, like you said, from the hip to kind of roll. It's, it's tough to talk about on the radio, I guess. But, I mean, you have to kind of roll your, your – the muscle of your thigh should be a little bit behind your thigh, not sitting. Do you know what I'm talking about here? Sorry. I got yeah. into a thing that's hard. But, I mean, you shouldn't sit with, with – the, the biggest muscle of your thigh against the horse, it should be a little bit, so you ride almost on the front of your thigh. You can help, really help this problem um, from the upper part of your leg, not necessarily, you know, just turning, just, you know, everybody can say turn your toes in, that's easy, but, but that may not be the issue. Again, if you can really turn from your hip 
and and the front of your thigh into the horse, um, that's a good start. Now the second part of this, uh, what I want to talk about is a little bit is if you're having to use your leg in every step of the walk, trot, and canter, you will never turn your toe in, right? That's a good point. Because part of turning your toe in is actually taking your leg off of the horse. So I know we've talked about this before, but if your horse isn't really off your leg, you can never fix your position because you're you're turning your toe out a little bit to keep the horse going. I don't know if this is uh, specifically this listener's question, but I mean, that's one thing I, I notice in a lot of riders that they're pressing every step and that naturally will turn your turn your toe out and and have you really riding and pushing that horse from the wrong you know doing kind of not training the horse but 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 riding too much and and being the the engine for the horse and working too hard you know when when you take your leg off and, and turn your toe in the horse is supposed to keep going so if he doesn't do that or she he she doesn't do that that that's a good place to start is to get them you know, off of a lighter aid and and moving under their own momentum a little bit and staying what we'd like to call in you know in front of your leg. We talk about this a lot, so I don't want I don't want to get into it all over again with with the Reese here, but but that's so important because um, to be able to sit really well, the horse has to be just just going under his own volition a little bit. Then you can start to take that leg off and turn the heel out. Yeah, that's, that's my that's my tip. You know, maybe that's your problem. Maybe that'll help with your problem, but but there you go. No, I like it, and that's that's also when you bring it back to lunge lesson. You know, the person that's lunging is yeah, keeping or yeah, should I mean, be if they have a whip, keeping yeah. the horse in front of they you. Keep yeah. the horse going, and then you can mm-hmm. just work. So again, when someone's lunging you, you should not be doing anything to ride. You right. know, not telling the horse to walk or try. Let the lunge person be doing that, and then you just you just sit and you just work on your position, not riding and lunging, because you might as well have your reins if you're going to be working on, on energy and rhythm and, and bending as well as... So So that's a good point, Reese. That, that lunge lesson is just you sitting, the person who's lunging you can tell the horse to walk, trot, canter, uh, you know, make the downwards transitions a little bit from the lunge line so that you could... I don't do this very often, but you could lunge... You can get lunge with no reins also. Right. If you have a little bit right. contact issues or, or rain issues and holding your hands, you don't even need them to be lunged. So that's, that's a little tip, too. That's a good one. This tip was brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, the shoulder relief girth that Reese and Philip both love. And here's why. The saddle fit solution you have been waiting for is finally here. TotalSaddleFit.com is proud to introduce the shoulder relief girth. This strategically shaped girth actually moves the girth line of your saddle back over one inch, thereby freeing your horse's shoulders from the saddle. Traditional girths pull saddles up against a horse's shoulders and often over the top of the shoulders. The shoulder relief girth's recessed ends allow for the billets to buckle into the girth farther back to give your horse unparalleled freedom of motion. We are so certain that your saddle will fit better and your horse will be more comfortable that for a limited time, we are offering a 30-day, 110% money-back guarantee. If you are not totally satisfied with your shoulder relief girth, send it back for a full refund plus 10% of the purchase price. Don't wait. Order now for the best saddle fit solution available. At TotalSaddleFit.com. Visit TotalSaddleFit.com. Let's talk about spurs real quickly. I mean, this could be its own separate um, tip, and and I think spurs. It's it's tough to again talk about on the radio because, you know, for me, you have to have a quiet leg to um, use spurs. And I'll use. I have a a, a really a young twelve uh, year old who takes lessons from me, and she has a, an older horse. He's wonderful, and it's a great combination. But when I first met her this uh, winter you know, her legs really weren't long enough and, and she wasn't quiet enough to use spurs. So I didn't give them to her. I made her really use her leg and get stronger. Well, it's amazing from when I met her this winter to now, almost the fall. I mean, she's grown a lot and now, you know, she can really use her legs and they're down and they're long and now her leg is quiet. And I just said to her, I said, I think we should start with a little baby spur. And just a, just a little one, Prince of Whale, let's try it. Let's start with that and see if we can get, now that your leg is quiet and that you can use your leg appropriately, now a little spur may help you. Um, I will tell you, 
this is a little off topic, but my biggest pet peeve is, is when you come to ride a horse at someone's barn or you try a horse and you come with big, huge rowel spurs. You know, I don't use big, huge rowel spurs. So, you know, whenever someone comes to ride my horses, I, you know, it's, it's kind to always ask if you're riding a horse for the first time, do you wear spurs? Will these spurs be okay? Are they too sharp? Um, that's just a pet peeve of mine. I had to bring out, okay, it happened yeah. to me. It happened to me the other day. Sorry. Oh, okay. Somebody came to try a horse and I was like, he doesn't need that big of a spur, you know? Yeah, so it's just a pet peeve. <laughs> and, they, and then I have to be honest, that person really did not need that big of a spur on. They didn't have a quite enough leg. <laughs> so there pet you peeve. go. Sorry. There you go. <laughs> uh, so this is catharsis that, for us sometimes. Eh? Yes. Yes. I, I bring up my pet helpful. peeves all the time. That was my pet peeve. Well, because yeah. spurs are, you know, again, I don't, I don't train with big, huge spurs. I'm not a huge spur. I think you should be able to get your horse in front of your leg. And I, if I need a big spur, I may use it in a horse show environment and step it up. But I always want to have the ability to step it up. If you ride in a big rail spur every day, then frankly, there's nowhere to go. You can't really change yeah, it. So nowhere to go. I nowhere mean, to I, you know, as far as spurs go, like I don't have. Any problem with people riding young horses? But I don't ride young horses with spurs. No. I don't ride with spurs until the horse is second level, basically. And that's yeah, just a personal a good... preference. I mean, that's just. Yeah. I, I. I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't bother me when people ride with spurs. I have a few students that do. I don't. I don't force them not to. But for my own personal thing, you know, I just. Uh, I leave them. I, I. You know, I have a whole array of small spurs, big spurs that I ride the the older horses in. But I just. I just don't like having nowhere to go, right, with those young guys. Right. And, and if they're lazy, I make them sharp. Right. Yeah. No, no, I hear you. <laughs> That's about it. No, I just work on the training. And, and uh, I know I not, that not everybody horses. agrees with that. And I know, um, you know, Scott Hassler, the young horse trainer of, um, you know, of the U.S. there, um, has no problem with it. But I just when I ride, I just don't, I, I just don't like doing it. any horse. You know, uh, lower than second level because I, you know, what I think for spurs is that using them for lateral work, using them when the when the aid needs to be refined. You know, you know, from a forward driving aid to a little bit of a sideways aid. You know, to you know the kind of flying. You know, the sharpness you need for for the flying change aids. Little things like this, right? And and right. and using them to refine the aids, not to not to say, well, my horse doesn't listen and. And and or he's dead to the leg, and now I need to amp it up, and I I, I don't like that. So no, I don't either. But I think also a good thing to remember is is to take your spurs off, even if you ride in spurs yeah. on a daily basis. Yeah. It's fun every once in a while to take them off. And if we go on a hack, we never have the spurs on. You know, so I think it's you have to be you have to think about it. You have to think about they're not a right. Spurs are not a right for riders. Yeah. It's not part of the uniform until yeah. you get to the FEI. There's level. riders I've had that that have, you know I said, hey, let's put the spurs on, and then a few months later come back, hey, let's take the spurs off now. Yes, you know? exactly. That's no problem. Exactly. You know, you can go on spurs, you can go without spurs. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just just try it. I mean, there's uh, even the FEI horses. Hey, let's do yep. it without take spurs. Take them away. Today. This is for yep. a fun trick, you know. It can pee off and pee off, piss off from your leg. Yeah. No problem. Without, yeah, it's a, it, they should be able to, in yeah. fact. So, so yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, you can have a really long, like you said, we can have a really long discussion about spurs and, and, and this and that and, and other training tools that we use. But, uh, yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's a good, good, good talk about the really leg and question. position for your leg and, and how to achieve a good position. And it's a great question. Yeah, really good question. Thank you for that. I love yeah. it. Well, so we have a we, couple shout-outs. We got any shout-outs shout outs this week? What's going on? We do. I have a shout-out to a friend of mine um, who owns Hinton Mills. Uh, it is a feed store in um, – he is in Moorhead, Kentucky. And he is having a uh, horse awareness day at his shop. And he wanted me to give a shout-out um, to to anybody in that area if they want to come. Get, please feel free to email me and I can give you more information. But HintonMills.com uh, and they're having this big horse awareness day uh, with speed, feed specialists and pasture specialists. So if anyone's in the Kentucky area, um, go see Adam Hinton at Hinton Mills um, Feed Mill. Cool. So that was my shout out cool. for today. I, well, I, I also have a shout out, but this is from our Facebook page, Amy Nelson, who wrote us uh, an email uh, a couple weeks ago, and that we answered in last week's. Was it last week's uh, training so, tips? Yeah. So, mm. so Amy Nelson, there you go. Thanks for writing into the. <laughs> Thanks for shout out. 
Yeah, exactly. And we love listener questions and, and we, um, they really help us with the show, but we, it brings up things that we don't think about and we love hearing what you want to hear uh, on your, on the show. Cause it's partly your show as well. So everyone, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search dressage radio show. Follow us on Twitter at horse radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com, and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. You can find me at philipparksequestrian.com, and my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week for allowing us to put on a good show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we'll talk to you next week. 